Welcome back, Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brutt. It's a pleasure to be back with you. And we are back to our series on Moron Rav Chaim Kanievsky Zatzal. We already did this season six episodes discussing manuscripts and the connection to Rav Chaim was different manuscripts that Rav Chaim used to use and how these manuscripts evolved throughout the generation. We've come to a point now, which is there's a big discussion in the current or modern day world, Shita, on using manuscripts. So that is going to be today's topic. I think Rabbi Brat plans on doing two episodes on this. And once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor for the Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky episodes. This whole season two has been dedicated anonymously by a close friend of Rabbi Dr. Brat, Le'ilu Nishmas, Moshe Chaim, Ben Yitzchak David, all the Torah, and all the new knowledge that people get from these episodes should be a Eloi for his neshama. Um, something interesting, people constantly ask you, what do you have going on behind you? What are those piles of books and books and more books? And they get a tiny, tiny glimpse, tiny window into the collection that you have. And you could talk about another time, the addiction that you have to collecting Sfarim and that's for uh, another session. But perhaps today, maybe at the end of the episode, you'd like turn around, pull one book out, and just like go through one book. You know, we got to start with, start somewhere. Pull out a book and tell the audience, you know, open a book and tell them what this book is, what it's about, why you have it. You think that's something that perhaps is an idea? We'll try. Maybe we'll, we'll randomly pull out a Gairo oh, Habra. Wow. We'll do a Gairo Habra. If I brought us in for some fun today. Okay, so everyone stay tuned until the end. The end of the episode of Ibrat promises Lee Nether to pull out a book and talk about it. Let's not forget. So what are we talking about today? So we're going to talk about the, up till now we discussed the Shita of, um, to sum up what we did and what we will now do is as follows. Until now, I claim there's two approaches. Approach number one, we're going to call it to make it life simple, the Mishnah Brewer's Shita, which is to use new discoveries of Rishayinim Ad Halacha And there was another Shita, which we're going to call it the Chaznisha Shita, not to use the new discoveries of the new Rishayinim. That's to make life simple in a sentence. So to the next few episodes, so up till now, we um, I episode, um, in the first six episodes of this season, I outlined in broad strokes some of the history of the publishing and usage of the usage of new manuscripts. I was able to show pretty much that everyone used them with no issues, not just the Mishnah Bura. And especially what's important for us is Rukhain Kanievsky appears from all his writings to collect the Mishnah Brewer. He embraces everything, new Midrashim, Ga'inic discoveries, Rishayim discoveries, and to the extent that he even worked on editing some of these manuscripts for print, which we spoke about. Now, before um, we begin um, talking about the Chaznish Shita, I just found, Mamish, in the past few days, a, sheet, um, a piece of information relating to this from Rukhain Zimran. Um, who also talks about the usage of manuscripts. And he says, I found it very interesting. I'm not going to read the whole passage. It's, a, it's over two pages, but he says like this. When a new manuscript of a Sefer of a Rishon is discovered, a new universe of Torah comes into being. Then he refers to another book of his, and he says, basically, as much Chachma is revealed to a generation, so much, so that much Chachma of the Torah has to be revealed. Today, he says we're in the Zman of Atzchalto de Gula. So although no theoretical concepts of the science are developed, many technological discoveries are developed every day. 
So in Tyre, for the last 50 years, there were discovered many manuscripts of the Rishonim Dalach and Their discovery is parallel and proportional to modern technological discoveries in the physical world. This is the real reason why so many manuscripts were discovered and restored in this generation. Never was there a period in history where so many manuscripts were found and published in the Torah world as in our time. He says, there's no Gainim like Reb Chaim or Brisker or others that the sum total Torah amount had to flow in this generation proportionally to the meager amount of Chachma. So what, what do we do? He, Hashem Yisbarach made it, and he goes elaborates on this, the new discoveries of manuscripts. So this is, I found, to be a very um, interesting take, and he is saying this to understand is he dies in the 90s. Um, I think it was in the, in the 1990s. So if you're taking that into account, in recent years, it's been an, a bigger explosion than when he's when from his time of, of new manuscripts. Okay. So, so you mentioned Chaim Zimmerman. Uh, maybe tell the audience who he is. He can't just leave us hanging that way. Uh, okay. So I, I'm definitely Chaim um, Zimmerman is a person that's worthy, very worthy of having a few episodes to discuss him. But he was famous for being Rosh Hashiva in Skokie for a while. Eventually, in the 1970s, he, he made Aliyah. He was considered Eloi by in all standards. He was a nephew and a Talmud of Rabarach Ber, very, very into the tire of his Rabbi Rabarach Ber. On the other, on the, but he also was very into the Chazanish. Um, he, he was very mathematically gifted. And, for example, in the famous Dateline Shaila, he wrote a massive 500-page work, all aspects of it, demonstrating his Yeda, not only in Lamdus and in learning, and in, but in understanding of the sciences. And he was a very unique out-of-the-box goggle, a very big deep thinker. He wrote a lot in Hebrew and in English. I think a lot of his articles actually appeared in the Jewish press um, at some for, for a while, but I, I, that was before my time. And some of them were collected in various books. One of the books I just read from is called Torah and Existence, and he has another book called Torah and Reason, and there's other books in English and other um, other Lamdash Svarim of his of all types. They're all pretty hard to find these days. But anyway, he was a unique, um, tremendous Tamachacham that died in, I believe it was 1995. Okay, fine. So now you've given us the information about what you've done. We're ready to get the Chazanish's Shita. But everyone talks about it, the Chazanish's Shita, manuscripts, what he holds. Perhaps you could show us some sourced information, whether it's books and Sfarim that everyone knows about, some articles. I think that's what we are all waiting to hear. Okay, so first, like this. The first question is really to step back a drop and is to ask, is Rechaim Kanievsky, which I'm, which I'm claiming, which is pretty obvious, Rechaim Kanievsky is using these new manuscripts and everything. So is this unique in the base Medrash of the Chazanish to embrace it? Or there are other people in the base Medrash of the Chazanish besides Rechaim Kanievsky that embrace the new discoveries? The answer is, in the first season, I spoke a few times, I mentioned that the Rechaim Kanievsky was influenced by four different great people. One of them was his father, who not only did he um, have a tremendous impact on him, they learned Kol Terakula literally together. So when you look at the stipler, you you find that, number one, we spoke about already that Rechaim Kanievsky worked on the Rekech, publishing it for manuscript. Who got him the job was, was the stipler. Very unlikely to say that the stipler would be against publishing new manuscripts and get him the job if he was against it. Now, Stipler, like many other G'daylim, gave Haskamas. A lot of these Haskamas are collected in the volume of his letter, the three volumes of his letters called Krayna de Igrisa. And in there we find Lamashal, a beautiful Haskama, on the discovery of Rabbeinu Hillel's parish on the Sifri. 
That's one um, discovery. And now it's very unlikely that he would give a beautiful askama if he didn't believe in these new discoveries, that there's some benefit of having these manuscripts. In the same volume, um, that we find another, you know, there was a, someone in England, the Rav Halperin, published a some t- new material of Taisvis on the Sechnas Nadarm. The stipler gives a beautiful askama. Um, worthy of reading all his lashainus, but explaining how that Hashem Isbarch makes it that um, that certain t- certain materials come to light at certain periods of time, and our generation was to be to be guile these different rishainim, and we miskablim bahava basimcha rabba baali tayir He says he mentions even that there are plenty still in manuscript. But anyway, he writes very very um, enthusiastic about these materials from these new manuscripts relating to Taisis Amasachnas Nadarim. And and another Askama, one other one is to mention is the Taisis Rush. Someone bought him a Taisis Rush on a different Masechta. And the stipler also gave a very nice Askama. But here it was just a cute thing was he said a lot of times, how do we know that it's a Taisis Rush? So he says my son Rabchaim Kanievsky told me that the Shara Melech in Hilchas Yisadiyah Taira brings down a piece from this Taisus Rush from this manuscript. This was on, so so here we have a, a way how it's authenticated and was authenticated by his great son, Rukhan Kanievsky, is Bikiyas, not only in Rishainim and in Ga'inim and in Chazals. Here we see him being a Baki in Achrainim, the Shara Melech. Okay. Anyway, the point, what's interesting is, is that the Kryon Degrasif, for some reason, they censor out the names and the names of the Svarim and a lot of these letters. I don't know why, but that's the, um, we, so we see, but bottom line, we see the stipler seems to be somewhat pro-using new manuscripts. Maybe not Lalacha Lamaisa, but using them. Next, another person, which we also spoke a little bit about in season one, was Rukal Kahana, someone who was very close with the Chazanish. Now, Rukal Kahana was Isaac, very much in Zran, not only in Halacha Lamais of Zran, but publishing new works and manuscripts, Sayyav Rishainim, and different materials relating to helping Limud of Masech new discoveries. And a large part of his, he ended up establishing a Machon. And what's significant is this Machon was taken over eventually by Rebbe Frati, Talmud Movik by Rebbe Yashiv. Everything was done with the under the Hashkacha, so to speak, of Rebbe Eliyashev. They learn Adayoyim intense, intense Zrum, Be'iyun, Halacha, Lamaisa, but also focus on publishing materials from manuscripts. So much, um, many works of, of Rishayim on Zrum that have come out, has come out through them. And just to mention, Lamashal, the Kaftar of Ferech, they did a beautiful job based on manuscripts. So here we see, again, people that are affiliated, I would say, or extending from the base marriage of the Chazanish. So it's funny, the Stipler, Rav Kalma Kahana, Rav Kanievsky, these are people that, that the Chazanish meant a lot, um, even though the Chazanish meant a lot to most people, but these are Mamish Talmidim, swore everything by him. It's strange that they would go against him so blatantly. Okay. That's the, that's, so that's the background of a, I'm just trying to make it dramatic. Okay. Now, but the question is really, what does the Chazanish hold? So the Chazanish, in general, was beyond prolific. And he was prolific, um, which is not the case of many G'daylam, even in his lifetime. He, he's born in the 18, 1878, and he dies in 1953. He first publishes his first work, Chazanish, in 1911. It's, it's well known he doesn't write his name on it, but he already published materials in some newspapers beforehand as early as, I think, 1901. So he wrote a lot. We know he wrote literally on Kal Tarakula. You go into a shul library or some many people have in their houses, Chazanish, it's, it's mind-boggling how much he wrote. To make a Rishima uh, a proper listing, a bibliographical 
of all his materials that he wrote is very hard. Already 10 years after he was Nifter, Kalman Kahana, we just mentioned, has a beautiful listing, and, and we read it, it's mind-boggling how much he published at that period, by that period of time. Already. So now, we have to keep that in mind. He wrote a lot. So to find his shita in something that could be spread out in a lot of different places is a job, a hard job. Number two is, they're constantly finding new material. Just as an example, in the past few years, five massive volumes on the Chazanish of materials of his has come out from manuscripts called Gnozim Vichuvis Chazanish. Um, and more, more, and more keeps on coming out. Um, I always joke that one of the Gedolim that's writing from the grave besides the Rukivayim and the Chsam Seifer is the Chazanish. Just yesterday I saw going up on auction a, a, a huge selection of 50 materials of the Chazanish. Yes, if you want someone to buy for me, I will accept it. Of different pratim of, relating to the Chazanish that was, seems to have been on his table on the days that he, right before he died. I have no idea where they had it, where they got it from. It sounds very interesting. I did not have a chance to look at the full description of it, but it sounds crazy. Was the Chazanish's table as big as Yom Brisker's table? <laughs> good. That's a good question. I don't know. After I read this Read carefully these items. Maybe we'll be able to have a question. What's uh, what's what? Anyway, the point is the Chazanish wrote a lot. Now, besides writing a lot and publishing it, he also wrote letters that were given to special to regular people. He also spoke to many people. He had Talmidim, and he had people that came into him Kaseder. <coughs> so, in order to get such a person's shita clear in a in a matter that could come up many times, it's not easy. Okay, now, in general, in order to understand the Shita of the Chazanish, so to speak, for this, you have to check up all the quotes. You have to see firsthand, if you could, the different quotes that he says. Now, the problem is that some of them were censored, and you don't know the context of the letters, who he's writing it, and what's he writing it about. Why is he saying what he's saying? Which makes it harder. But it makes it even harder is that sometimes new materials come to light about a particular piece of information and then sheds light on up till now you thought a certain way. And then a new sentence comes to light. They reprint the letter and they add, we have the manuscript. We're adding one more line. That line could be a key to understanding much more. And this happens a lot with the Chazanish in, and even in this topic. One of the letters that, that's not as well known is a discussion with he had is a, is a letter that Odesla writes about to- talking to the Chazanish about it. And then just recently, a few months ago, the letter came out again, but this time they added a few more lines. And that few, those few lines, as I'm going to show in the next episode, helps us understand much more with what the Chazanish meant. Anyway, these are just some of the points now. So when a lot of the quotes of the Chazanish relating to this topic and others is found in the Chibur, Kaivitz Igris Chazanish, well-known Chibur, uh, very famous, three volumes. Um, um, now, the problem is, they when they quote a lot of these letters, a lot of these letters, and they have different pieces, they don't tell you who it's going on, who it was written to, when it was written, and sometimes they take out sentences. All of a sudden, there'll be a dot, 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 and you don't know what's going on. Um, Rabbi Tiger, who we've quoted a few times, uh, mentions in his work called Kuntres Derech Ish, incredible small work on the Chazanish, um, he shows how a certain truva of the Chazanish was cut up over six times, put into six different places, but you don't know that when you're reading each one of the letters until you actually see the whole letter published. And there's a bunch of examples. We're not going to go into that now. Now, if you open up the Kaivitz Igris of the Chazanish, so the first volume, which literally came out within a year or two after his Nifter, it stresses um, that there's, it's murdered significant, the Chazanish's letters. He was... Um, 
it helped, he did so much, it, help, it will help people, the Amali Taira, Dikta Kalacha, all different types of things. People used to ask him all different pieces of information, all different questions. And so we have these letters. Now, the letters, they not necessarily saw all the manuscripts of the letters, some, so, but they published it. Now, the sec, uh, in the second, in the volume three, which comes out also in the 50s, pretty much right within a year, a few years, less than five years after the Chazanish has been lifted, it says, Harba igrois yechoyles l'shamish kemaiser rav upiske halachos binyani limra tayra chinuch v'yishivus vanhagas binyani tzibur. So it's sort of a halacha l'maisa dika work. Okay. Now, Rabbi Yamin Zilber, one of the Yudayim Bnei Brak, a famous author of Chuvas Uznit Brew, who had a schos to have a, a, a connection with the Chazanish, he writes in a few different letters. He says, when he's talking about this volume specifically, the Kisve, the the Kaivet Ziggurus of the Chazanish, he says, it's not a safer, it's not Kaivet Klal Halacha. And he says, the Chazanish used to say, don't rely on things that I said, um, that people that say from my name, Balpeh. Even letters, it's considered Balpeh, ain't a Kaivet, Mikim Jechasalana, Kol HaPratim Vamasivais. So he's saying that pretty much we don't know the background of the particular letter, so be beware. And as I said, not all letters are taken from manuscripts. Some of these letters are from conversations, and they don't even tell you where those conversations are from. Okay. Uh, my grandfather, Rabbi Leib Spitz, had a, um, in a piece that he wrote in the journal called Hama'ar um, in the 80s. So it, the, the question that he was dealing with related to a specific letter of the Chazanish. He goes so far as to say that if you look carefully, he couldn't believe that the Chazanish said what he said in that letter. So he said that the letter is not a Bar Samcha. It does not sound like the Chazanish said it. He said, because it came out after he dies, they got tons of materials from all over the world. Some of the stuff that wasn't labels, but they published it. And it's, it could be they didn't go through everything carefully enough to verify every single thing that it came from the Chazanish. And he, and he brings even from a Radvaz such an issue that you can't rely on Chuvas that came out afterwards. Okay, whatever. The, the, um, my, my point is that if you look very carefully, in gen, this is a general issue with the Chazanish and other Gedele, most plenty of other Gedele, that when you find their works, you have to be very careful um, to see the sources and to know what the Makara is, who's saying it, etc. Now, just to just to talk about this a little, uh, just a drop long, and then we're going to get to the meat and potatoes, as they say. Professor Yaakov Spiegel, who I've quoted numerous times in the past, he has a book called Amudim Betol Sefer Evri. It's five volumes. And one of the volumes he deals with this concept in general terms, with the, not specifically about the Chazanish. But many times we find Rishayinim could write two different Svarim and it could be steerous between the two Svarim. Rishayinim and Achrayinim. I mean, everyone knows. Rambam, let's say, the steerous and Rambam, and then we're busy answering it, but it's come, let's say, the rush. If you have a steer between the rush and his Psakim to Russian and Chuvus, what do you do? So let's say you have a Chazanish says one thing, and then you have in the Igris, that's a written Igris, and we know it's from him. Is it a st- it's a stira possibly, so what do you do? Um, and there's all types of klalim, the gdailim, meshech, the generations, gave all different types of klalim, which rep- this Professor Spiegel outlines all this. There's another issue. Not necessarily everything that a said gadol want printed. Especially, um, there's, a, there's a question 
letters. Letters, a lot of times, Gedolim did not want printed. They were meant mamish for one-on-one private conversation. And there was a controversy a few years back. Professor Mark Shapiro published some many interesting letters that that the Sri Daesh had with with um, with Professor Atlas. Very, very interesting things. And then people were very upset. These were private letters. They were not necessarily supposed to be published. So Spiegel brings this down. Also, this caused the whole discussion in the Toro Mada journal back and forth about it. Uh, okay. So you can't just mention Professor Atlas and like run by without mentioning who he is. Okay, so the answer is that he was a person that learned in Slobotka Yeshiva, eventually becomes a professor. It seems he becomes affiliated with Reform, but he still loved learning. And he had a close, close relationship with the Sri Daesh. They had many different letters back and forth. But he also put out, interestingly enough, the Raivid on Baba Kama with Bi'in the Ka'aris. The Mashal and Lakewood, there was at least one edition of a, of a Raivid the Ha'aris who all crossed out, Apikairis or Kfir or whatever, something like that. Anyway, so they had very interesting letters back and forth, which were published in the Torah Mother Journal, and it caused some type of scandal. If it were been the times of the internet, I'm sure it would have been much more. And the editor at the time, Rabbi Shechter, um, had to defend why, why he did it, whatever. Okay, so anyway, the point is, for Negei to us, is a lot of times letters are really meant for privacy. So Kairos Igris, even though there is a lot of you say this, what he's saying, but maybe he didn't want it to get out. Okay. Anyway, there's all types of these type of conversations. Spiegel deals with it in his work. And this plays out even more, and we will get to some aspects of it in a later episode with Rukhain Karievsky. Because what's happened is, is that there's a whole genre of news farm, which they map out all the unhuggers that they, people see, that they watch Gadol A doing, and Gadol B, and Rukhain Karievsky, there's a crazy amount of these types of farm coming out, and there's of plenty of more recent years of Gdailim like this. But it's already found, let's say the Maril, the Maril was a Talmud of the Maril, watched the Maril carefully, and he would record what he saw, and it became one of the main sources for the Ramah. So obviously, certain times, these works have very important impact on Allah. Anyway, um, with the Chazanish, a lot of times, it could be a psak, and they and you'll check into it, and then you'll see what the next person will say. It's a, it's, a, it's it's not true. He didn't mean it. I just want to give, I, you could give many different examples for this. I'm not going to. Spiegel, in his latest book, called Amudim Matal Sefer Evri, has a whole, has three different places where he talks all about the Chazanish with these aspects, quoting different theorists and the stories and the, and the different things. I'm just going to mention two very, very brief ones, and that gives you the idea. One was that someone said something about a certain uh, piece of the Bir Hagra, um, a famous piece of the Bir Hagra. And hold on, just give me a second. Um, okay, I think it was about, the Chazanish was said something about uh, wearing yarmulkes. And the person said, what do you mean? There's a Bir Hagra that says that wearing yarmulkes is a Midas Hasidus. So the, the Chazanish said that he saw the Gra in a dream, and the Gra told him, that he was Kaiser. So they asked this Rukhain Kanievsky. Rukhain Kanievsky did not believe that the Grok, he said this is not the way the, Chaz- the Chazanish spoke. He wouldn't have told them, even if the Grok did come, whatever. Okay. And obviously there's a type of story today, I'm sure you can make a whole, Did the is the Chazanish, this is the way he would talk, isn't he? Way Rukhain Kanievsky does believe, doesn't? Okay. And then he brings down, interesting enough, that about something else, Rukhain Greinemann said that the Chaz, um and the Rechaim Greinemann, who's also one of the Gedolei Talmide Chazanish, said that he heard from the Chazanish that the Gra came to him a few times in dreams to talk to him in learning um, and other issues. So here you have, on one hand, Rechaim Kanievsky saying, okay, so maybe it could be about this piece, that that's what bothered Rechaim Kanievsky, that the Gra is saying he's Chazer, and he's going to come to the Chazanish, maybe that, okay, whatever. Anyway, this is a story, and just one other story just to say, for the sake of a story, 
it seems the, in the in the nineteen in the late nineteen forties there was an issue. There was not a lot of food in Eretz Yisrael, so some people um, allowed a powdered milk. Others answered it. So two Bachram from Hebron came to the Chazanish to ask him about using this. So one asked him, and the Chazanish told him, no way, you can't eat it. Another one said, you could, it's just a chash. Okay, we come back to Yeshiva's Hebron, the Stira. Two guys walked in, each one got a different sack. What did the Chazanish say? So someone from the Hebron went back to the Chazanish to ask him, what's going on? He says, what do you mean? I said both, both were saying the truth. One, and he starts smiling. He says like this. One guy looked like a gibar. He's a strong bacher. He asked me. I said, no, you can't because it's not going to hurt him. He doesn't have food. It was in a time there wasn't a lot of food. So he said, you don't, people. The other guy, he was a skinny little wimpy guy. So him, I told him he could be makel. So you see that a tailored sack, it was a tailored sack. He understood the situation, but it wasn't meant to become the sack for Claudius Yisrael at the time. This is obviously before the internet, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so the point is that we, one has to be very careful. This is general for the Chazanesh, and it's also general for Chaim Kanievsky, which we will get to Amir Tzashem in a special episode dealing with these type of things of Chaim Kanievsky. Now, to our main, as I call it, the meat and potatoes of our story. What's the story? What's going on here? What does the Chazanesh, what's going on? So the, for, for me, also, is that Lumash or Kalman Kahana says a line, and he says that people already in the times of the Chazanesh would tell the Chazanesh, the steerers, they say things, whatever. So the Chazanesh says, I understand. I wrote it a lot. Whatever I wrote, are you going to find steerus? You're not going to find steerus in what I wrote. The Hainu, in things that we know for certain that the Chaznish wrote, there's not going to be steerus. And then I come across, this is where Kalmakana says, B'Shem the Chaznish. Then I come across, in the Kuntres Yud Chashayis, which we're going to get to momentarily, the Chaznish writes a fascinating line. And this, I think, plays out by the Chaznish's writings, a very important thing. Miteva bnei Adam, it's the nature of human of people. People read things like reading a letter quickly. You have to be medactic in the lashon chachamim. It was written with intensity. The kriyas amehirus, the kriyas aion heinef. There's their opposites. People like to be quick. Some people have fast visas. And sometimes you'll find even Chachamim that they read Svarim very fast and not being machshev what they're reading carefully. And you have to read carefully, especially topics that are very amok. Now, with that, with those introductions, the Chazanish is Yodua. He wrote, he wrote on purpose, very hard to understand. You have to be medayik in everything he says. Every tag, shebetag means something by him. Again, I'm not saying like Azarishan, but it means a lot. Okay, now, so what's the shita that they say over? So number one is like this. Already a year after he dies, the Sri Diyash, in a letter to Rav Herzog, writes that he found something in a Chubus that was found in the Kairagniza, and he was all happy with it. But he says, he writes this in a letter, but the, they say in Eretz Yisrael, the Chazanish says, That's what they say over. So it already got to the Sri Diyash, who was not in Eretz Yisrael, the sheet of the Chazanish. And as I said, the letters of the Chazanish were not yet published. Was published a year or two later. Rev Dessler has his two letters published in that he had conversations with the Chazanish. Also, some type of thing that you can't rely on new manuscripts. Okay, and Amir Tzashem, we will get to explain more the letters and talk more about the letters of Rev Dessler in next episode. Okay, there's a yid. There was a great, a tremendous Talmud Chacham, a Dayan and Haifa, Rabbi Yaakov Rosenthal, who was also a Talmud 
by the Chazanish. He was a tremendous guy. And the way I heard of him was because when I was in the Mir, I learned by um, one of the lesser known Magidi Shirim in the Mir at the time was Rameir Shmulevitz, the youngest son of Rechaim Shmulevitz. His father in law was this Rabbi Yaakov Rosenthal. Rabbi Yaakov Rosenthal was a famous guy. His father was the Rav of Shari Chesed, who was also a guy. And he wrote 15 volumes on Rambam, Mishnah Yaakov. So he writes, he, he came across a piece of the Ravid that was printed for the first time, manuscript on the side of the Shas Vilna. He went, and, he, and he thought it could answer up a whole thing. So he comes into his Rabbi the Chazanish. He says, You must know my Shita, not to rely on manuscripts. And, um, okay. So here we have a Talmud testifying about his Rebbe, the Chazanish, about manuscripts. Okay. So the question is, what does he hold? So, so far, it seems like he holds not to rely on it. Now, what I'm going to show now, the next bunch of pieces of information are going to be proofs that he holds that you could rely on manuscripts at times. Number one, we already mentioned, the Chazanish's first work comes out in 1911. Already this work it deals with a lot of Archaim topics, and he quotes one of the works that he quotes many, many times with great, great covet is the words of the Mishnah Brura. And we know there's a letter of the Chazanish, and the Chazanish talks about the Mishnah Brura in other places with unbelievable covet, saying he's like the Lishkas Hagazis. And we know he argues on the Mishnah Brura many times, and he talks about the Mishnah Brura, if you open up Chazanish Archaim, dozens and dozens of times, hundreds and hundreds of times. But yet, anyone who knows, you learn Mishnah Brewer for a few minutes, you come across that the Mishnah Brewer is relying on Rishayim. You would think that somewhere, one of the times, the Chazanish should say, by the way, Mishnah Brewer, we don't rely on New Rishayim. He never once mentions it. And he's, been, and he's quoting him from 1911 and onwards. And he knew Mishnah Brewer, Gans Klar, he uses it for everything. He went through Klar, and he points out his issues all the time. So to me, this is already something. It's a raya of some sort. Again, I'm sure people could argue that that's a point. But now let's go into the Ksavim of the Chazanish. Take a deep dive. So the Chazanish is known, he took he, um, different pulmasim and halacha, different controversies in halacha, he took part of Bechayev. One of the most famous um, controversies that took place in his lifetime was the Dateline Shaila, which is uh, worthy of an episode or two, not from, from me, but basically... Yeshivas, Mir, and others were stuck in Shanghai in the 1940s, and the question was what to, which, what to do based on the dateline, Shiloh, which days to observe Yom Kippur. So the big tumult and G'daylim, everyone was involved, and Namish, what to do, and asking different G'daylim, and there were meetings. Okay. So at the time, who gets involved? The Chazanish. Another Gadol gets involved? Tukashinsky. People who are familiar with the Sugya know that a lot of the materials come, a lot of the discussion revolves around three Rishayinim. Besides the Balamar and the Kuzari, which is its own discussion, how relying on the Kuzari La'alacha, and the Chazanish relying on the Kuzari La'alacha, it's its own discussion, which we mentioned a little bit in the episode we spoke about the Kuzari, but number one, there's a piece in a Ravid, in the Kasav Sham of the Ravid, which was printed in the 1930s from manuscript in a journal called Skula. And this plays a role in the conversation of the Chazanish and of Tukashinsky. Another Chibur, a Talmud of the Rush called Yisait Eilam, which was printed in the 1770s. And another Chibur from Rabbi Rambar Chia, also an early Rishon, very involved in astrology, astronomy, that was printed from manuscript in the 1850s. These three Svarm are very crucial in the Sugya of 
the date lines. If one opens up, the Chazanish authored a work known as, and his work on the date lines, um, I don't have it in front of me, Kuntris Yudcheshois. And he publishes literally right after the 1941 controversy. And if you look, Amashal, in the newspapers of the time, in El, in Yud, Gimel El, 1941, Reb Zevin writes an article where he gives the background. What's the machlekes? What He gives the audience in, in the Hatzofa paper. What's the machlekes about? And he really puts it down in Rezevin style, um, giving you the background, when, this, the, when was the first time the Shiloh was discussed, and different materials about it. And he says, one of the main Makairis in the Sugya is this Yisayid Eilam. So now, Chazanish is not, mis- people mistakenly say, Chazanish didn't even care about these Rishayim, but he didn't even see them. He was just quoting it because Rav Tukashinsky uses them, and he was coming to argue on him. So he uses Rav Tukashinsky's quotes, and he doesn't. It's clear, if you learn carefully the Kuntris, he checked up these Svarim, and he uses them. He doesn't dismiss them. He could have said a line, which he does in other controversies, and say, don't bother, don't bring me rise from new manuscripts. He's handling, the whole in the Kuntris, the whole time, he's handling as if they're regular shittas in the sugya that one has to deal with. Of these three, what I call new manuscripts. One was Mamish printed less than 10 years before, and the other two were printed in the past few hundred years, and they were not from way, way back. So here we see him using them, and he doesn't say boo about the problem. Another Pulmus that also took place in Eretz Yisrael a little later was a Pulmus known as the Pulmus HaShiurim, well, which is, became a sharp machlekes with the Ravram Chaim Na, the Balk Tzayis HaShulchan, and the stipler got involved with this, also writing Chiburim about it. This also became a very hot topic. In the course of this, can, um, in the course of this discussion, we find that it was brought to the attention of the of the Chazanish that there's a tshuva of the in the Ga'inim. So says the Chazanish that I saw a tshuva of the Ga'in. Ra'isi tshuvas ha'Ga'in hanitpas ba'itzar Ga'inim, which we spoke all about the chibur of the itzar Ga'inim. Va'av shainless meichal kis feyadim nimtzam afsakas misaris dar ladar. Even though I hold, you can't really rely. I'm a kan nirin hadvarim shain divri ha'Ga'in. It's re- it sounds reliable. You can rely on it. This piece was discovered already as early as 1802. I have not yet located who was the first person to use it, but since then we have many sources that say whatever it says in these in this Chuvas Hagainim on the topic. And the Chazanish doesn't dismiss it. He says no. He, he brings you down the whole piece. He has a whole shot how to understand it. He's arguing with other people out there it. But the point is, he's not saying, oh, it doesn't make a difference. He, he's, he adds in a key line over here, which we'll get back to, but he's using it in this pulmus. And the same page. Um, he, there's a famous thing which we already mentioned. The Miri, Miri gets a bad slack. They claim that the Chazanish, there's even a, a again a Mipia Shmua type of thing. He's sort of like Nantan Miri. Let's open up what the Chazanish says. Number one, in the Kuntris Hashiurim, which we're talking about right now, on the same page, he says, He says, I didn't see it inside. Someone gave me a copy of what it says, and this is what he, and he fits in, and fine, and he doesn't dismiss it. In another place, in Chazanish and Hulas Tefillin, he says, There's a Miri, and he says, you should be, we should be machshir, kivan da dover mavur, bemeiri lahachshir, valoi e efshir luntois me diveru shainim. Okay, now I'm not telling you that you're going to find a hundred quotes of the Miri in the Sefer, he doesn't, and that will get to why. But the point is, he's not dismissing it outright. But now the story gets for, goes further. 
At some point in the 19, late 1940s, I believe it is, someone wants to print the Chibur Shar Hamayim of the Rajba for the first time for manuscript. This person knew the Chazanish, in Bnei Brak, he comes into the Chazanish, he's printing its manuscript. So he wants to know, now obviously he's asking the Chazanish if he can print it for manuscript, because he knows the Chazanish has something, something up with manuscripts. He says like this, even though the Chazanish says in Kuntras Hashiurim, that ain't list my halakis fiat and himself, Mavsakan Zerz, Darvadar, Bhulu, but he says, This Dover Burr, the Sharmai Mullah Rajba. You look carefully at this, you could tell it's the Rajba, print it, no problem. So, David Svi Hillman, from another tremendous Islam from Ray Brak, in his book review under a pen name on the Sharmai, says, Here we see. Not like people think with the Chazanish. Some people think from the Kuntras Hashirim, you can't, the Chazanish held anti-printing of manuscripts. What do you mean? He's t- telling him here, you could. Just, it has to have an important piece of information, which is, we have to be bevadai that it is the Arishan. Now, obviously, that's, that's it's a, a conversation that needs to be had. Fine, so now I'm showing you from yet another source that the Chazanish holds from the Sharamayim. He was okay with it. Now, there's another work that relates to this conversation, is that Rav Moshe Lipschitz, who is a tremendous Talmud Chacham, he was a librarian somewhere in, in, in America, so he talks about the Chazanish Hashita, and he says, if you open up, there's a Chazanish in Hilchus Megillah, the Chazanish says as follows, the words of the Chidon, Yosef, was when, you see, the Chazanish is embracing a new discovery, the Ritva, the Rajba, that came out and, um, after the after the Chido, we already were Meirich, has all these farm. So too, in another place, I found the Chazanish says in Hilchas in Evan Ezer that Shuv Matzasi came Mechdushi Ramban, the Chroinim Lo Yehoyelam Sefer Zeh Lechein Nislavatu Bazeh. Okay, another discussion we mentioned that. We spoke about Hilchas Kriya Satira of Reish Chaydesh is a Gansa Diyum. So I quoted then that the Chaz- that that people said, the Rebbe says Al Melter and a bunch discuss if the Yudayim would have had the Ramban on Megillah, everyone was relying on the quote of the Ramban found the Ran. But the Ramban was published in the ni- in the 1790s, and then we see much much more on the Sugya, and that would have changed. That even perhaps the Gra would have changed his mind. So much so, this relates to how to lane, um, um, how to have the breaks in Kriya Chaydesh. So, who also embraces this Ramban? Chaim Knievsky brings down the Chazanish. Okay, so we see uh, yet again that there are times that he's using these Rishonim. Okay, just two more Marmakaimas, and then we'll come to the conclusion. This Rav Tiger, who I've quoted numerous times, he brings that he found also other places. He brings a place where the Chazanish brings down Achakachraisi, Betaisis, Rabbi Chasid. So that's another manuscript published for the first time in recent years. And the Chazanish is using it, Halacha So again, we have Maramakim, which would show that the Chazanish, at least certain times, is accepting Rishayim. And one last thing, he brings us a case of in Hilchus Avaydazara. There's a Taisis Rabbeinu Al-Khanan, also a new manuscript from the thing. The Chazanish brings it down for. I believe if someone does an extensive examination, the Chazanish, you'll find a bunch more of these type of things. Um, no one has done it up till now. But the point is like this. At this point, and this is how we're concluding episode number one, it seems, and this is how Rav Tiger understands it also, and others, is like this. That the Chazanish is willing to accept when something, a new discovery, if he's convinced that it's a real tshuva. Therefore, 
he held Lamashal in the study of the Kunshas Hashirim. There's a Gainim, a new manuscript of Gainim, Gainika. No, Chazanish embraces it. Miri fits into the sugya. That did not get him nervous. So now, obviously, I'm going to leave on a cliffhanger. What did, and I brought a bunch of different proofs. I think the proofs, maybe you might say one in itself is not, but I believe putting them all together, it, something emerges. Obviously, there are, I have to admit now, we'll give a, a sneak preview to that. There are times he's against it. When is that? Amir Tzashem, I hope to be put in proper perspective the next episode. Okay, fascinating. We are, we have plenty to digest here on this episode. Looking forward to the next episode. So a couple things. You mentioned Rav Tiger. I had the opportunity to meet Rav Tiger. He was in America recently. Um, and we discussed, as we discussed with him in Eretz Israel, that he will join us in the very near future to discuss his participation in editing of Reb Chaim's Farm. If you haven't seen, check out online, uh, Google, YouTube, of Uri Tiger, fascinating videos of him discussing Reb Chaim, Reb Chaim's Farm. There's videos of Reb Chaim coming to visit him. Do you imagine Reb Chaim coming to visit him in Yerushalayim, taking, out of, taking his time after he visited his Shver and the Kaisal and going to visit this Reb Uri Tiger? So he obviously had tremendous amounts of Akar Satayv. So there's even one video relating to this with the Kriyas Atayah He has a conversation, and if you don't know the sugya, you can't tell the sugya, but once you know this, one video where Rechaim Kineski says, yeah, and he opens up the Mishnah Brewery, he learns the whole sugya with him inside about the Kriyas Atayah and the Grashita with Rechaim One of these videos, incredible. Um... Now, as promised, people are always asking, what do you have going on behind you? They don't even know that what's behind you is like a Tipa Shabiyam a tiny, tiny drop of the amount of you have scattered around Eretz Yisrael and all your different machsanim, your different storage houses. So turn around, pull out a random safer, and tell us what's going on. Okay, so I'm going to pull out a safer. It's, it's higher up, easier to get to. And the significance of the safer is that Right before, I'm going to show you the safe in a second. Right before, less than 24 hours before this past Shavuos, I get an email that this safer came out. And this is already causing me problems. I live in Ramat Pichemesh. There's no way in the world this is getting to Yerushalayim. How am I going to have Simchas Yantif? Some people, they have Simchas Yantif with wine, with meat. And yes, I do like cheesecake. Cheesecake. But once I know that this safer is out, it's over, and it's going to be very depressing. I automatically start making the necessary arrangements, and luckily, luckily, it comes through and it comes to me. It's called Taldus. It's called Taldus Adam from Rebuvim Hagolis. It's a book that he wrote, his first work which he wrote in, let's check the year, it says, in 1912 it came out in Lemberg. It's his first work, and he wrote over 50 works, on the Marsha. Incredible, incredible work. It's published by Ahavat Shalom. Now, what's the significance of this work is, number one is it was very rare, very hard to find. And also, they have the nephew of uh, Bruvah Magolos is alive, he's in his 80s, is working together with them, publish to publish the, a lot of different materials, new materials, 
And in the copy of Rebuva Magolis' own edition of this Talus Adam, he had numerous, num- hundreds of Isafas. So they put it all in with other materials, and they it, literally, it's a beautiful, beautiful edition, worth every penny. Also, they have a bunch of letters that he had with different Gedalim that wrote to him after he sent him the Sefer. And this is, he wrote this when he was in his low 20s. Mamish, a beautiful, beautiful Sefer. And it was beautifully done, high quality, high quality paper, worth your money. And this helped me have a proper Simposiantif. It came, and I was able to have Simposiantif. Beautiful. Okay, so obviously you could do 10 episodes on a movie Margolis. In 30 seconds, who he was, around when he was born, and what did he do? This is very tough. Let's say he's um, late 1880s, I believe it is, that he's born. Because this is, I said this is when he's 21 or 22. He dies in the 70s. He's a richas yam, but he doesn't have children. He's married twice. In Lemberg, he was a meicher svarim. He wrote tons of svarim articles, newspapers, pub, and he was also a publisher of svarim, but he also published his own svarim. But he was obviously no ordinary person. Lamashal, he comes to Eretz Yisrael, he makes aliyah in the 30s, goes to visit Rav Kook. Rav Kook makes a bracha on seeing Adam Gadol when he sees him. Rav Kook was in correspondence with him. Rav Kook has askama which can only be found in certain editions of his Nefesh Chayon or Chayim, or on his work on the Zoya. Other things, Rav Kook was familiar with him and liked him. It can be found in an eyewitness account of someone that was there at the time. Anyway, he ends up putting out many more Sfarim in Eretz Yisrael. While he's in Eretz Yisrael, he works for Maisir Rav Kook. He also was the chief librarian in the Tel Aviv in Tel Aviv, he built a major Svarim library for that period of time. It still, it's actually still exists today. So he was, but he was he, now he's a Hasidic Shiyid from Lemberg, Galatianer, but he also had Zionistic leanings and he had to do with, let's Marshall Ruf Cook, but he had to do with all types of people. And he mamish had was a legendary Bakias in all of Tyra, including Kabbalah, authored 50, 60 Svarim easily. And since this is a Reb Chaim episode, you mentioned his connection to Reb Chaim very briefly, oh. if you want oh. to mention. Oh, yes. So even in this new edition, he mentions that Reb Chaim Knievsky was a, loved him. It, it, there's a few times, I, I think I quoted him in season one even, Chaim Knievsky met him, knew him, had great respect for him, and so too the Chazanish did. The Chazanish met him and had great respect for him. I do recall in Nefesh there's even a piece that he says over something that he heard from the Chazanish. Um, but they both, the Chazanish and the, um, and the Chaz, both Reb Chaim Knievsky and the Chazanish liked him a lot. This nephew was there at least one of the conversations. He had conversations with Reb Knievsky about Reb Margolis. He brings it in this new introduction in this work. And so to tie it to Reb Chaim Knievsky, he liked it. And oh, and to end, Reb Knievsky quotes Reb Margolis Kaseder in Lamashal, his work on the Rambam. He quotes his work on the Zayar. Other places, he quotes Rabbi Margolis Bishmoy many times. Now, what's the Chiddush? He's a Zionist. Lamashal, you go into Yeshiva's Panavish, you'll find the Margolis Ayam, and you'll see that certain things are ripped, are, are black, blacked out or ripped out because he gives a, he dates the, the, the Sefer to the to the Medina, so these type of uh, terrible Deus Kaisvais that he has. Anyway, all in all, Lamaisa Chasidish Yidin, Mizrach Shayidin, Yeshir Shayidin, all like this person. He has an unbelievable schus that he had, even though he didn't have children, but Adayayin, Kal Yisrael is having a sachana from his svar. So now, this new printing, I recommend. Here you go. Excellent, wonderful. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the next episode. Thank you once again. This episode was sponsored. If you're still listening, in memory of Moshe Chaim Ben Yitzchak David, all of season two. Questions, comments, suggestions. Dedication, opportunities, please reach out to myself at schwedem at ou.org or Rabbi Brutt 
eliezerbrud at gmail.com.